episode two. Hello, friends and enemies. Gather round. It is time for Perhaps It's You, your absolute favorite unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. I'm Liz. I'm Samantha. And we just want to give our every episode shout out to B.D. Wong. Hi, B.D. Wong. I hope you're well, wherever you are, living your magnificent life. Wherever he is, he's listening to this podcast. We know that. <laughs> yeah, we know that much. We don't know the deets, the location, but we know he's with us in spirit, and we know that he's listening. So, hello. How are you today, Samantha? Good. Tired. Yeah, same. You know, same. like every day. <laughs> You're like, we do this? Why? Why is this my hobby? <laughs> hmm, well... And I was listening to a new episode of the Purple Stuff podcast yesterday, which is all about their favorite things that are blue. And I was like, why is this not my podcast? <laughs> I was so much like half the time we're on here, like, I don't want to talk about this. I would much rather be talking about my favorite things that happen to be blue than, you know, people being dead <laughs> or missing. That does sound so much more pleasant. I know. Blueberries. Blue candy, blue birds. I mean, it's just, that's lovely. I could have, I was immediately like, well, there's bedtime bear. That's a, there's a classic. Uh, there's, yeah, there's tons of those gummy sharks. Those are great. Yeah. I, blue Skittles. Oh, yeah, those are good. They are good, aren't they? And in the 90s, everything was blue raspberry. And I'm actually not really a big fan, but I just kind of want to know why. I've often wondered what is a blue raspberry because it doesn't taste like a raspberry. There's really, I'm not sure there's a such thing as a blue raspberry. No. It has its very own specific flavor. I think they were just like, okay, we need a blue flavor because there's too many reds. <laughs> so we're going with blue raspberry and it's like, but it's not going to taste like raspberries though. It's just going to taste like, I don't know what. It's chemicals. its own thing. <laughs> yeah. I'd like some answers. <laughs> but, yeah, we really should have done some sort of fun podcast. We should have just done a candy podcast. Oh, my God, yeah, Candy companies to send us What? I'm going to cry. Why did we do that? Monetize snack hour is what we should have done. I'm going to start sobbing. That could have been my life. We could have been candy reviewers. And we're doing this? It's like those kids that make YouTube videos about toys and they just figured out how to get companies to send them tons of toys. And then like their college tuition is paid off. Oh my god. We are fools. Yeah. I mean, I'm very thankful for the time that Studio Crafty sent us all those Japanese Kit Kats and other people have sent us delicious snacks. But if we could have just hooked up right to the source, if we could have sold out and we were like, this is... Yeah, listen. I'll still sell out. I mean, listen, if anyone's listening. listen to the snack hour brought to you by Japanese Kit Kats. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, it's not too late. I mean, I'm totally open. Nestle Get in is touch. listening or whatever. I will. I will take your blood money, Nestle. I will take it and I will spend it with glee. <laughs> Sign it over. Is that not the way to get sponsors? I don't think it is, but what do I know? We don't have sponsors. Yeah, clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. 
I do think it's funny that so people have mentioned before, like me bad mouthing Amazon and stuff is probably not a good way to get sponsors. And I'm always like, I'm not going to sell out before I get the money. (laughs) I'm not going to be on my best behavior in like the hopes of money. (laughs) Like, give me money and then you can like tell me what to do. But like, just for that idea, that dream. No. Does no, no, Amazon no, no. sponsor podcast? I mean, I don't maybe think an so. affiliated company or whatever. Maybe. Or I think it just makes us, you know, seem anti-corporate or something. Oh, and well, people wouldn't want are. that. <laughs> Wait, but, people we'll still- <laughs> but I will absolutely take your money and then not bad. You want me to stop bad-mouthing your product? Pay me. I'm viable. <laughs> I got bills. I want candy. Like, I'm very easily bribable. I mean, maybe so, they have a point because it's not like the mattresses have started rolling in. No, I, I think that's more to do with the fact that this podcast is not very popular. <laughs> but people have told me, like, you know, if you want sponsors, you probably shouldn't be bad mouthing so and so. It's like, yeah, but they don't pay me though. So it's a good point. I'm not selling out in advance. You gotta, there's gotta be some transaction. I'm not just gonna sit here and hope. Oh man, I've been really good. Hope that pays off. I get some Dow chemical money. No. <laughs> anyway, here I am. Bitter as ever. Ready to talk about Unsolved Mysteries. Though, I liked this episode. This was good. So, I don't even know why One I'm of your favorite mysteries are in it. Yeah. If people recall, ages ago, we had a Q&A episode and someone asked what mystery I was looking forward to. It's in this episode. It's the Resurrection Mary segment. So we finally got there. I have no other segments I'm looking forward to. No, no, that's not true. Mothman. Yeah. It's oh, somewhere yeah, yeah. in the yeah. distance. Mothman. In like season 13 or something. Well, that's good. That'll give us something to hold on to. That'll give us a reason to keep going. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're on season six. So if it truly isn't, I made that up. I don't actually know when it is. I but think it is far in, away. In season 13, we've got a ways to go. Are there even 13 seasons? I don't know. I made that up. Something like okay. that. Okay. All right. Well, we are on season six. I don't six. know that much about this show we have a podcast about. <laughs> no, that person that was very mad at us said they may know about Unsolved Mysteries. What that person also didn't no. consider is that we're just not good at podcasting. And what they didn't consider is that Unsolved Mysteries is one of the many things we don't know anything about. <laughs> like how to pronounce people's names or where cities are or, I don't know, basic math. <laughs> Those are other things we don't know. <laughs> That the difference po- is I haven't I don't have a podcast about basic math. Oh, can you imagine? No, that would oh. be a nightmare. But no, I would never have inflicted that on myself. Me just being like, I don't remember this at all. What? I know I should be able to do this in my head, but I need yeah. to I need to sneakily get my phone out and pretend to text, but I'm really using my calculator. It's like I'm literally just googling what is this. You know, the division of this square root something something. Particularly the kids do math different now, so. Oh my god. It's just, uh, that just makes me go, okay, so math's not real. Got it. (laughs) I understand. Also, I was learned recently that there's a form of dyslexia called dyscalculia for numbers. Oh. And I went, oh, I'm pretty sure I have that. That makes a lot of sense. It I don't does know. Make a lot of sense. I don't know that I get to just decide that about myself, but I kind of have. 
So if you two were terrible at math, hey, you have dyscalculia. It's all right. Cut yourself some slack. Go. Okay. We're on season six, as Samantha said, episode 15. You can watch this on the old YouTubes. You don't need to bother Jeff Bezos about it at all. And what's nice about this this episode is it's a little romantic. Robert's tech is real poetic, especially in the Resurrection Mary segment. <laughs> this is the Valentine's Day special of whatever year this was. What so, does this have to do with Valentine's Day? I guess there's a love story. There's a couple love. You get a couple love interests, and then they're just like, whatever, armored car robbery. They kind of give up, but... <laughs> <laughs> they tried to make it more about love than a usual unsolved mysteries. And I appreciate sure Valentine's that. Day even comes up after it doesn't, the no. first two seconds. No, it doesn't. I feel like I forgot this was a Valentine's Day episode until you just said that. I don't think I would have remembered if I hadn't written it down, but God bless my notes. Okay, I get the first mystery, and this is the one I've been looking forward to. So this is in the unexplained, and here is our opening waxing poetic from stack. <laughs> I, i'm just gonna say right now i give stack a thumbs up for this episode i know we've been a little hard on him lately we've been saying where is he is he drying out somewhere why is he barely in these episodes but this one i think he really came full force it's a late moonless night you're on a dark lonely road <laughs> this is a great robert stack voice the shadows seem to reach for you Ooh. The sudden rustle of leaves makes you jump. I have goosebumps. Your heart beats faster and faster. You assume it's your imagination. Oh, it's just my imagination. Unless you're on the road to Resurrection Cemetery. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So this is a very uh, famous Chicago ghost story, which is why I was excited to talk about this. And the account we hear uh, takes place in January 1979 when a cab driver found himself on a road on just such a night. He was about to experience something several Chicago cab drivers have experienced over the years. He was lost and he offered a woman by the side of the road a free ride if she would point him in the right direction. Okay. (laughs) If this reenactment is to be believed, if this is how it really went down, that's clearly a ghost. Well, okay. I expect cab drivers to be a little more savvy than this. He's like, "Excuse me, miss, I'm lost. Can you point me in the right direction?" You're and just you watching this are like, "That is clearly that a is ghost." A, that woman is wearing all white. She's fucking glowing like she has a light bulb She's inside. Staring her. Staring straight ahead with dead eyes, with like an almost like a fog radiating. That's not from a ghost. Her. Not someone you want to mess and with. It, she's doesn't appear to be speaking she just like silently gets in the cab well that's because nearby is resurrection cemetery one of the largest in the midwest and robert stack refers to it as the final resting place of more than 150,000 souls what a name to name your cemetery resurrection cemetery i mean obviously, i ain't going in there that's oh, full ghosts we're totally going there i can't believe i've never been and yeah well no, you're what right. A- I do want to go in there because I want to kind of want to see a ghost. But I feel like if you're going to see a ghost, it's going to be in Resurrection Cemetery. I really appreciate them bringing the drama to the cemetery and then burying so many people in it. But I mean, obviously, if you name a cemetery that, you're going to get some ghost stories. So mm-hmm. that's where this comes in. Might as well call um, it Ghost Cemetery. I don't know. <laughs> 
ghost lab cemetery. This is where we make the ghosts. Um, so the woman asked him to stop in front of the cemetery's front gate, and then she vanished without opening the door. And that's when Robert Stack says the unwitting cab driver had just met Chicago's most famous ghost. Who's going to pay that fare? See, that's the that's the thing. This is like, if you're not on our Patreon, you didn't hear us discuss the tsunami ghost part of the Unsolved Mysteries reboot. But there were several accounts from cab drivers who picked up what they thought were passengers, drove them to somewhere, and then those people vanished. So then they couldn't get their fare. So then there was paperwork, like recording the ride. And those drivers had to pay for it themselves. All the cab drivers were paying these mystery fares because they didn't want to like admit that that they had given rides to ghosts. But it was like a pa- a very interesting paper trail that yeah. sort of proved that something paranormal was going on. That's what this made me think of too. I wonder if he paid that fare. Yeah. Well, Robert Stack does re- refer to this as the ghost story with the best documentation, and I wonder if that's why because you can get you can. Go back and look at these cab fares, maybe. And witnesses who are described as reliable people are the witnesses, <laughs> meaning they were people who haven't made other paranormal claims. Well, okay, the the reliable their reliability was also that they had jobs for some yeah. reason. Okay, like people without jobs can't see ghosts. I'm, no, I don't um, really understand the connection. Children can't see ghosts. The elderly <laughs> can't see ghosts. Uh, people just on like summer break during college no no go seeing <laughs> for you can't see ghosts. um yeah the t- tons of people being unemployed better not see a ghost blue collar people with jobs i believe is what i don't yeah. forget this dude who this those dude are the was. only people you can believe uh but people he, on that's strike. why he thought the cab driver was reliable because he had a job and he was blue collar yeah I, I don't know it's silly uh what was i gonna say Oh, okay. So the earliest account of red, this is, this is also not true, but we're just going with this segment here. The earliest account, according to Unsolved Mysteries of Resurrection Mary, came from Jerry Paulus. In 1986, when he was 72, he videotaped his story. So we get to see some footage of him sitting at a table and reaccounting this ghost story. And it was, you know, caught on, caught on tape. That he had met Mary at a dance hall in 1939. And we see a reenactment of this that apparently, I don't know, he went to dance halls a lot. He thought he was a ladies man, uh, Robert Stack tells us. And he sees a woman that he hasn't seen there before and decides he's going to go ask her to dance. And she is described as being about 5'7 with blonde shoulder length hair and wearing a fancy party dress. I feel like I have some theories about about this story that he gives based on how it's presented in Unsolved Mysteries. And I'm not sure it has anything to do with the paranormal, but go okay. on. Okay. So he learned little about Mary except her name and that she lived on the south side of town. In the reenactment, I don't know if he actually said this because it's we don't see it from his account. We just see it in the reenactment that he said that her hands were like ice. But to like make it more flirty, he was like, so you must have have a warm heart. <laughs> and this woman in the reenactment has no interest in yeah. him whatsoever. Yeah, no. I don't know if this is Resurrection Mary's MO based on the two accounts we get where she just stares straight ahead with dead eyes, completely uninterested. But I mean, why do you think she's my favorite ghost, Samantha? <laughs> She's just going around town, blowing off dudes, like, whatever. 
wouldn't be last. It seems like this is just someone who wasn't that interested in this dude, wanted a free ride home. He was a little disappointed because he was looking for something else. Yeah, well, okay. So as Samantha said, he offers to give her a ride home. She agrees. But then she asks to be for a ride out to Archer Road, which is not by where she said that she lived. Then she asked him to stop in front of Resurrection Cemetery and told him to wait, but then literally like vanishes into thin air. I think Robert Stack says, this is not what he expected. <laughs> what's I don't weird, think it was Robert Stack. What's weird about the way Unsolved Mysteries tells this story is that he, okay, he lets this woman out in front of a freaking cemetery. She gets out and is crossing the road and like midway, the like middle point of the road just literally vanishes into dust. And this doesn't really like dissuade him from pursuing her romantically. The fact that he just saw her vanish before his eyes. So the next day he goes to where she said she lived on South Damon Avenue and apparently was able to find the house easily. And the front door opened before he could knock. He asks for Mary and is told that no one by that name lives there. But then inside he recognizes a picture of her and he goes, that's the woman I'm looking for, Mary. And the woman's like, you can't have met my daughter last night. She died five years ago. This is why being a woman is so fraught. This woman vanished into dust. <laughs> and this dude is still not dissuaded. He's no. still showing up on her front door. He's willing to introduce himself to her mother. And they've had a couple dances. This is what Robert Sack says. The revelation naturally cooled Jerry's romantic interest in the mysterious beauty. The fact that she was dead for yeah. five years. Also, we learned that this guy used to work um, at a funeral home. So he realizes the reason her hands were cold was it was the touch of a corpse. No the one else. He could have known yeah, that. Was. No one else could have figured that out. So, um... This is believed to be the spirit of Mary Brigoni, Mary Brigoni, who died in an auto accident in 1934, a month before her 21st birthday. Rumor is she was leaving a dance hall and was buried in her favorite gown. Her spirit has been seen countless times at dance clubs, in taxis, and in stro strolling down Archer Avenue. Now we get another uh, first-hand account. This is from Claire Rudnicki and her husband, Mark. In 1980, her, them and two friends were driving along Archer Avenue when Claire saw a woman walking along the side of the road, except that she was bright white, like illuminating. Um, what's interesting about this account is that everyone in the car saw it. I think Claire saw it first, um, but the other people saw it too. And her husband wanted an another look. So he swings around the car, the, the, he like drives around the block. He swings around the car around. So they're, they're coming from the other direction and they see where her face should be. is just a black void with no facial features. It's frightening to think about. Not such a frightening reenactment. <laughs> Not such a frightening reenactment, but it's very cool to me that they, we don't hear from their two friends, but at least from Mark and Claire, like, they both saw that and were like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. And she was terrified. She did not want to turn around at all. She didn't want to turn around. And he was like, no, I have to get another look. And he apparently, like, still wants to see the ghost again. Like, he would like to go. Didn't he, he frequently drives past there yes, and thinks he's, about he, seeing her again? He's, like, trying to see her again. And she's like, I never want to see it again. It's too terrifying. So we have another account, which is from October of 1989. 
Janet Kalal and her friend were out for an evening drive. After about an hour, I think they were just like driving nowhere in particular. They found themselves on by Resurrection Cemetery when a woman in all white all of a sudden just walked in front of their car. So she's convinced that she just hit a woman with her car. However, there was no sound. There was no impact. And when they got out, there was nothing there. Uh, so there are dozens of these eyewitness accounts spanning several decades. And then Mark Renucki tells us, I didn't believe in ghosts until I saw her. And the way you know it's really a ghost is you just know. You just know. You just know. So that's pretty much the end of the segment. Robert Stack tells us to think twice about offering her a ride. Which I don't know why. Nothing bad happened to anybody. Ghost needs a ride. Yeah, that cemetery is huge. She probably keeps getting dropped off at the wrong gate. <laughs> 150,000 graves? She just needs a lift. Yeah, okay. some slack. But last week, Samantha and I were watching a tour by Adam Seltzer, who runs Mysterious Chicago, and he does... Um, he does a bunch of cool tours. I really recommend them. You can just watch them on Facebook and then donate. But he did a um, ghost tour for Chicago and he talked about this story. And apparently this cannot be the spirit of Mary Bergoni because this hitchhiker ghost story was already going around like three years before she died. And the other problem is this description of this woman with long blonde hair is not how Mary Bergoni looked. Yeah, she had brown, like super dark hair. Yeah. We saw so, a picture of her in the, the that, tour. It's like, oh, that's not her. So it does, there's lots of accounts of this hitchhiker ghost by Resurrection Cemetery, but it doesn't seem like it is Mary Bergoni. I also was informed by someone in our Facebook group that Astonishing Legends has like a seven hour thing about Resurrection Mary. So oh, wow. clearly there's a lot more information out there. Maybe I'll learn some more and get back to you. But I do think it's just a cool little ghost story. And she seems harmless. Just give her a ride. It's a fun ghost story. She's honestly. got places to be. I love these ghost stories where it's apparently a common occurrence for ghosts to just flag down cabs. Yeah, I wonder if they hate uh, Ubers. I was just thinking about that. They're like, I don't have a phone. I can't call a Lyft. I need to be able to flag something down with my ghost arm. <laughs> Otherwise, they're just going to start just like appearing in the lift. Like, oh, I didn't that see you get in. Yeah. <laughs> Do ghosts ever ride the bus? Hmm. There's a question. If you if you know, let me know if you've ever heard a ghost story about a ghost on the bus. I sometimes wonder like what modern ghosts are up to. Like a more modern ghost might call an Uber, don't you think? Maybe. And you, you show up and this dead-eyed woman is standing there, vanishes halfway through. She's got that pink baby flat fat razor flip phone. <laughs> She's in a juicy tracksuit. She's like, please. Take me to the the beauty parlor. I'm getting a pedicure. <laughs> Vanishes halfway through. Vanishes. Yeah. Never leaves a, a rating. Ugh, never tips. That's the thing about ghosts. Terrible tippers. <laughs> well, I don't have the ghost money. Doesn't. I know that's the problem. It, yeah, doesn't, it doesn't really spend. transfer between no. worlds. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they don't want to. They just can't. 
<laughs> Maybe bad. that's why they bounce. They're just too embarrassed. They want to like, get there and gotta go. they can't they can't pay you with their ghost dollars. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I we I would like to hear some stories about some more modern ghosts. Yeah. That are I don't know. They like fell off one of those hoverboards. <laughs> So they're like their hover- Android phone blew up. <laughs> they're they're hoverboarding for all eternity. Yeah, they yeah they like put a an Android phone in a microwave to see what would happen. Now they're ghosts. <laughs> now they're ghosts. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know. If you've got one, send us your paranormal story. <laughs> yeah, perhaps it's you podcast at gmail dot com. We'll take any paranormal story that's happened to you. But if you happen to have heard a story that hasn't happened to you about a ghost riding the bus or a ghost that's a more modern day ghost that is stuck doing dance, dance revolution for all eternity oh, over, that would be a, over that would be a true hell. <laughs> that ghost did some fucked up stuff in their life. <laughs> stuck doing that forever. Oh, man. What if we die podcasting? What if we're podcasting ghosts, Samantha? Podcasting ghosts. We you die. Know, at this point, there's going to be podcasting ghosts. We're going to die in a tragic podcasting accident. Mm. And then we're you know, Finally plug the wrong cord into that mixer. Yeah, and it just explodes. <laughs> to oh, die in a no. tragic podcasting accident we're, we're sounds fla- <laughs> terrible. We're flagging down tra- cars trying to get to the podcast festival. <laughs> Or just for the Mothman Festival. We're just trying to get to the Mothman Festival. Look, you gotta if you're help us. Driving down the streets of West Virginia someday and you see <laughs> two women glowing on the side of the road with a giant inflatable alien. Just keep on driving. No! Give, us a- <laughs> give our ghosts a ride. We're on our way to the Mothman Festival. <laughs> trying to see that booty in the afterlife. Yeah. We didn't get to see it in life, so no. we, we have some unfinished business on this, this <laughs> earthly plane, and it's to see the Mothman statue. <laughs> I can't move on until that's happened. That's our curse. We're cursed to walk the earth until we see the Mothman statue. That is sad. It is sad. That's real I hope sad. we don't die. Okay. okay. <laughs> move on to your sad tale. Moving on to this sad mystery next. This is a missing person. I think. Or is it a lost love? I think it's a missing person. It's a missing person, but... So Robert Stack starts out this segment by telling us that, as a rule, they do not profile cases of adult children who choose to separate from their uh, friends and family, which I didn't know about. I didn't know about this rule, but I'm happy that they had it because... Rightly yeah, so. Yeah, leave these yeah. people alone. Like, their friends and family might want to find them. If they don't want to be found, that's, you know... You can't just that. call and solve mysteries and be like, my my 30-year-old grandchild never calls me. They're like, that's not a mystery. It's <laughs> not our problem. They don't want to talk to you. That's yeah. their choice. Mystery solved. No one likes you. The end. <laughs> <laughs> but this, they had to make a sort of an exception for this. This case is a little bit different. Yeah, Robert Tech says that this one is special. So Selena Eden was president of the student body and the senior class when she graduated from high school in 1980. She later uh, left college to join the Air Force. After that, she became a construction worker. She joined the Teamsters and bought a motorcycle. She was really living her best life. She seemed very cool. Extremely cool. Too cool to hang out with us. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> 
I was I like, had that same thought. <laughs> this woman is too cool to be my friend. I had that same thought. Her photo that they show at Unsolved Mystery, she has a sweet acid wash jacket. Yeah. Some awesome earrings. She's, oh, yeah, she was living a great life. Liver- riding around on motorcycles. I don't know. It just seems cool. Extremely. So on the night of November 29th, 1989, she was riding home from the Union Hall in San Francisco, California, when she suffered a serious accident on her motorcycle. She was in a coma for six weeks. For seven days, she remained in the hospital as a Jane Doe because her identification papers were lost in the accident. And it took that long for the hospital to find her family. When she finally regained consciousness, she had brain damage, a damaged left eye, a crushed left thigh, and painful headaches. She had also lost a great amount of her memory. Uh, She worked through rehabilitation quickly, though, and was released after two months. Which seems like lightning fast. Yeah, that's impressive. Considering the injuries she sustained. Uh, She moved back to San Diego to live with her mother and niece, who planned to help her uh, through more rehabilitation. At this point, she was suffering from headaches that caused periods of confusion and frustration. And although she was getting better physically, her mental health was deteriorating. According to her mother, on several occasions, she would be talking on the phone. And after hanging up, she would be unable to recall who she was just talking to. Yeah. All right, so Selena eventually returned home to San Francisco um, in May of 1990. Her family hoped that the familiar surroundings would help her regain some of her memory. Her friend Lori noted that she was happy to be home. However, Lori also felt that she needed more help um, than she was was receiving once she moved back. I think if the problem is she's an adult. She is used to being a very independent person. Yeah, she's you know to recovered to the degree to which she could be let out of the hospital. So it seems like she made a pretty quick recovery. However, it's not a total recovery and healing is not like a straight line upward and i think she would get frustrated but also wasn't super comfortable receiving the help that she probably needed yeah which is understandable completely absolutely um so despite her memory problems selena would call her mother regularly and they spoke often in october 1990 she told her mother that she was going to be going away for a while and she said that she was going with a person who would be taking care of her Um, She also said that she would be calling back soon, but she never did. Um, And her mother was immediately like, what are you talking about? Who is this person? And she didn't provide any details. She was like, taking care of you. I'm your mom. I can do that. Like, what? What are you talking about? sketchy. Her friend Tracy said that she last heard from her around the same time. She had told Tracy that she was moving to the Midwest with the woman she had just met, but she did not give her name. I like how dismissive this woman was of the idea. She was moving to the Midwest. Like, <laughs> it, it seems extremely out of character. Things were di- like she couldn't even remember what city because her mind just like lumped it into like nowhere. Yeah. She's moving to nowhere, and I'm worried about her. <laughs> yes. Uh, And after not hearing from Selena for several months, her family hired a private detective to look for her. He found several people who had seen her in San Francisco. Despite the few sightings, though, he was never able to locate Selena. Her family is unsure if she met with foul play or if she wandered off unaware of her identity. um, If her memory, the issue she was having with her memory got worse. They just they have no idea what happened to her. 
The last time Selena was heard from was on December 31st, 1991, when she left a, a confusing message on Lori's answering machine. Mm. Unfortunately, I don't believe this is... I'm checking the Unsolved Mysteries wiki. I think this is unsolved. So... All Unsolved Mysteries Wiki says about it is that there are conflicting reports as to when Selena was last, uh, when when she last spoke to her mother. Uh, it could have been in 1990. Other reports say 1991. I don't know. Another report states that she was last seen at a hospital in San Francisco on October 28, 1991. But this is unsolved. Unsolved Mysteries Wiki says, sadly, three of Selena's sisters have since passed away. Ugh! In her sister Nada's obituary, Selena is listed as surviving her. However, it is not known if she was ever located. That's so, so sad. I guess Unsolved Mysteries takes a little optimistic view of it. <laughs> that, yeah. you know, maybe they found her and just never, never reported I it don't anyone, know. I sort of think they didn't. And that's really sad. I'm surprised this isn't considered an amnesia case because... This is more believably than many could be. She just doesn't remember. Right. She just doesn't remember who to contact. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. I hope she's living a great life in the tropics somewhere. Just drinking a margarita. Not really. She just has a pesky feeling she should call someone, but she's not <laughs> sure who. And then goes, eh, what? I'm going to take another nap. Eat another mango. I hope that's the life Selena led. I know. It's the life she deserved. Although Ugh. I'm sad she never probably never her mom clearly her loved her so much and just wanted to know she was okay. Yeah. Ugh, horrible. Okay, now we have a kind of interesting one. This one's a wanted. Robert Stack starts off by saying, It's hard to imagine what seven million in cash would look like. And I agree. <laughs> Robert Stack's probably seen it. It's like not that hard for him to imagine, but me? No. But in 1983, one man managed to steal that astonishing sum, and he refers to it as one of the greatest heights in, heists in U.S. history. The key figure was a, quote, brazen 25-year-old armored car guard, Victor Manuel Guerra, uh, once a trusted employee of the Wells Fargo Express Company. On September 12, 1983, Victor arrived at work and made a special request. That was the only thing that was out of the ordinary. He'd been working there for a few years. He asked if he could park his car by Bay 5. He said it was a friend's car and he didn't want anything to happen to it. And his supervisor reluctantly agreed. Uh, that day, he did his usual rounds, collecting more than $3 million from local banks and businesses with another co-worker. The two of them would drive and uh, collect these amounts. The Wells Fargo vaults already held more than $4 million. By that evening, it was only Victor, his co-worker, and his supervisor on site with all of the cash. It was easy enough for him to draw a gun on both of them. At least in the reenactment, at first they're like, Haha, Victor, what are you doing? Like, they don't <laughs> believe that he's robbing them because they've known him for years at this point. It's just like another day at work for them. But no, he really was robbing them. Um he handcuffed both of them with their hands behind their back, taped their mouths shut, and also taped their um, ankles together so they couldn't use their feet. He then put jackets over both of their heads so they couldn't see. He also gave them a shot of something, saying that it would put them to sleep, but it didn't work, and they were actually awake the whole time. They never figured out what it is that he shot them up with. So but. weird. Yeah, it's like some, I don't know, sleep cocktail that ended up not working. Um 
He then started to load up his car with the cash. It took him almost an hour and a half to move it because it came. It's like a thousand pounds of money in both marked and unmarked bills. It is believed that he then honked the horn to let someone outside know he was done, opening the bay door and letting them drive the the getaway car or drive the car away with all the money. His coworkers heard him load a shotgun, which was probably a really terrifying moment, but then he left. Eventually, his coworker and his supervisor were able to get free and they called the police. 18 hours later, the car was found abandoned about eight miles away. Obviously, all of the cash was gone. Oh, they didn't leave that behind. <laughs> yeah. I think we did watch one about an armored car robbery where they, like, clearly were, like, we couldn't be bothered to, like, pick up all the money. But then that was, like, a huge amount was still left. I remember in that mystery specifically, they talked about how heavy money was and how they, they were just, like, like weren't Ugh. expecting the money to be that heavy. <laughs> wow, well, I would probably make that mistake. Just That's something leave. I would do if I was robbing. I'd be like, oh, I didn't realize how heavy a million dollars is. Okay, everyone, if you're going to rob a bunch of money, bring a dolly because your back can't take as much as you think, all right? And you're getting older. Bring a little wagon, one of those money flyers. Yeah, so learn. Wheel that money out of there. You don't learn want to throw from your these back mistakes. Out. Yeah, you throw your back out and just moaning on the floor of the bank is a really easy way to get caught. Just going, ugh. You're going to be okay. called fumbles. Yeah, or worse. You do that. <laughs> I've been watching this ridiculous show, Banshee, lately, which is, like, a completely over-the-top crime show. It has, like, no basis in reality whatsoever. It should just be called Cliché, the show. But what's very funny to me is the guy who's the sheriff or whatever, he gets into these, like, outrageous fights every single episode. And so Mac and I just keep joking that what you don't see in between episodes is the six months of rehab that he must have to go through. <laughs> because, like, the fights are so long and involve, so, like, it would just be so hard on your body. There is no way you would just get up and, like, go be sheriff again and actually get into another horrible fight the very next day there's no way eventually that guy's gonna throw his back out anyway now we get a little twist about victor and his stolen money robert stack tells us that this was orchestrated by a puerto rican terrorist group didn't see that coming um, so you could maybe look at them as freedom fighters or terrorists, depending on how you look at it. He was part of the Los Macheros, Machetieros. Oh, I'm sorry for how long I said that. I really am. Anyway, it's like means machete wheelers or people with machetes or whatever, who fight for the independence of Puerto Rico. Um, one example of this was in the 50s. There was an assassination attempt on President Truman. Um, supposedly, the money from this robbery was used to purchase a surface-to-air missile from an arms dealer that was launched at the, he- the FBI headquarters in San Juan in Puerto Rico on October 30th, 1983. However, apparently this is not the sort of uh, weapon you should use against a building because it did very little damage. It chipped the side. Yeah, um, it, they have to zoom in really close <laughs> to see the damage. I mean, it's, it it sounds good. Like a a, a, a missile. It's right? not a mistake you, I would make. Yeah, yeah a surface uh, missile? Sounds like that'll work. That'll blow up a building. No, it barely nah, did. It barely, barely did anything. Not. And then some people were arrested. So at that time, Victor was, um, he had he was not one of the people arrested. He was put on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. 
and there was a $1 million reward being offered for his capture. Let's take a look at what Unsolved Mysteries Wiki has to say. Um, still wanted. Several other members of the group, Los Machetieros, have since been arrested in connection with the robbery, including two of his brothers. Um, someone, I don't even think we really learned about them in this segment, but there's a Filiberto Rios um, that was in connection with Victor. He was killed in an FBI shootout. Victor is the last fugitive of the Wells Fargo heist that is still at large. Um, He was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list from 1984 until 2016. A million-dollar reward is still being offered in his case. FBI agents believe he is hiding somewhere in Cuba. Okay. Well, that money was stolen and apparently spent on missiles that didn't really work. Seems like a waste. Bad purchase. Yeah. We've all been there, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, can't they can't all work. Yeah, live and, can't return live, everything. Live and learn. Okay, now we have a really sweet lost love. Yes, it is. I literally wrote down, this is the sweetest. It's extremely sweet. So, South Vietnamese pilot Soon Ban Nguyen is searching for his daughter, Kimberly Karen, whom he has not seen in 20 years. In May 1968, he arrived at England Air Force Base in Alexandria, Louisiana, for jet pilot training. He was scheduled to remain in the United States for seven months. During this time, he met the Gutierrez family, and they became very close. They had a son in Vietnam, so they felt that uh, this connection was soon. During this period, he also began dating their daughter, Gwendolyn, who was the same age. In December 1968, Soon completed his final day of training in the United States and was sent uh, back to Vietnam. Gwen wanted him to stay with her, and they have a very sad parting reenactment in in the segment, but of course he had no choice. Within weeks, he was flying combat missions in Vietnam. He received many letters from Gwen that brightened his day every time he received them, but one in particular surprised him. It was a letter in which she told him that she was pregnant. Soon was overjoyed to learn that he was going to be a father, and it sort of gave him something to look forward to, because obviously it's bleak uh, fighting a war. On August 28th, 1969, their daughter Kimberly Karen was born. Unfortunately, though, years passed, and Soon was unable to visit Kimberly. He finally got to return to the United States to see her in June 1974, when he was sent back to England Air Force Base. At this point, Gwen's parents were divorced, and her mother was living on her own in a mobile home. Soon was apprehensive about stopping by to see her, uh, but when he did, she was overjoyed to see him. However, she told him that Gwen had married someone else and moved to Houston. Uh, She was, though, able to arrange for him to meet uh, uh, Kimberly. Gwen returned uh, to the area and stayed there for several weeks. During this point, he spent all his free time with with his daughter. There was a really sweet reenactment with them on the the swing set where she calls him dad. How do you know that I'm your dad? And she's like, well, we look like each other. (laughs) Of course you're my dad. Um, She's like, look, Pops, I figured it out. It's really it's really cute. However, then in July, Soon had to return to Vietnam, and at this point, Gwen took her daughter back to Houston. The next day, he returned to Vietnam, but within a year, Saigon fell, and Soon was incarcerated in a re-education camp, like many others. In 1984, he was released, and two years later, he married and had two children with his, with his wife. 
1993, he, him and his family emigrated to the United States and where they are searching for his daughter, Kimberly. The best part about this segment is that it's solved. Our favorite part about any lost love. <laughs> Yay! An adorable reunion. So on the night of the broadcast, several of Kimberly's friends and family called the telecenter to say that she was living in Pineville, Louisiana. Over the years, she had searched for Soon many times, but of course was unable to locate him. So finally, after 20 years, they were put in contact with each other, and a few days later, they were reunited. They celebrated the reunion with more than 20 of her relatives, including Gwen. And the the reunion is filmed, which I love. It's so sweet. They're all so happy. Um, Soon says it's a dream come true. It's just great. It's lovely. I enjoy a lost love. I mean, they really had no reason to think they would see him again. Like, he went to a war, and then they couldn't hear from him from a very long yeah. time. So I'm sure they had sort of given up hope that this reunion was ever going to be possible. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And I wish we have more information, but I'm just going to assume that they... They get together once a year. They have a big family reunion. They eat a bunch of crawfish. They have a great time. I don't know. That's what I assume everyone in Louisiana does. Is that incorrect? I'm just going with that. <laughs> Is that the end? It's the, the last end. one. Wow, that seemed quick. Okay. Let's uh, rate our various categories of interest. Okay, the first one is mysteriousness. Hmm. Actually, not that mysterious. I guess I do kind of want to learn more about Resurrection Mary, who's apparently not Mary Bergoni, but Victor bought well, a I missile. We, you know, oh, never seen we don't know again. what happened to Selena. So that's I, mysterious. Yeah, it's, it's pretty mysterious. I guess half the half the episode is mysterious. Okay, fine. Thumbs up. You talked me into it. Uh, reenactments. Was, um. Who? Okay. So some of those ghost reenactments were not great, but they're kind of fun. They were limited by bad CGI. Other than yeah, I, no, I guess yeah. we could cut them some slack. Fine. Um, and I do like seeing the um like 30s dance hall and I love how forgiving we are of an episode that we like. Like, you know, yeah, it's CGI. It's fine. If we hated this episode, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be like this is the terrible. worst. It's an assault on my eyeballs. I've lost the will to live. <laughs> um look, we're fickle. Um It's I our podcast. Think- we can be as fickle as we want. It's true. I think the reenactments were fine. Yeah, they're fine. Thumbs up, I guess. I don't know that anything really stood out, but they were okay. Fashion? I actually thought some fashion from the Your Lost Love was great. There was a particularly a pink outfit that her mom was wearing when like she finally got to mar- meet her dad that I thought was really cute. Oh, so yeah. That was retro good. number. Plus, we get Resurrection Mary wandering around in a white glowing dress. You don't always get dresses that can create their own light that's true so, but i don't know what they were calling a period <laughs> gown kind of just looked like a nightgown that's true too i'm not sure that it really looked like a party dress from the 1930s or whatever but fine. Wow. it glowed wow samantha's so picky everyone no <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong they told us that it was a party dress from the 30s and you were just supposed to go okay <laughs> I guess so. But ghosts wear nightgowns, though. I mean, that adds to the spooky factor, so I guess I can cut them some slack. They wanted her to look like a woman running away from a scary house on, like, a gothic paperback cover where it's just a woman, like, running into the wind. Oh, no! 
You know that look. So many book covers. All of it them great. It adds a bit of spookiness, I guess. Yeah. I'm still going to say thumbs up. I'll give it a thumbs up for fashion. Robert Stack gets a, a thumbs, thumbs up. up for sure. Thumbs up. He finally ended his vacation and came in and gave it his all. <laughs> this is a this is quality stack, I'd say. Really waxes poetic. And uh, I don't know, maybe he hates talk- talking about the orphan train too. Maybe sometimes he's just like, I don't want to do this. This is I sad. I do get it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we would have to get it. Be pretty hypocritical if we did it. So, but this is this is just stack, pure stack, pure stack. So, so what speaking would you... of stack, <laughs> how would we rate this? How many Robert stacks? I'm gonna say four. I would give this four Robert stacks out of five Robert stacks. Okay, because yeah, the Lost Love is really good. Resurrection Mary is really good. It's I did not, not five, but it is a good episode. I did not see the twist that Victor stole that money for political reasons. Uh, so that made the armored car theft a little different than ones we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, your missing person is super duper sad, and I kind of wish that wasn't in there. So it's not a, the best of the best, but I think it's pretty solid. It's I agree. It's a pretty good episode. I would yeah. give it a four. I, I would watching. watch the Me- Resurrection Mary segment again for sure. Well, that's it. That's a wrap. Season six, episode 15. All right. Bye, everyone. See you never. <laughs> get out no, of here we have to recommend something did you, oh yes i did, did. Have a recommendation did you think <laughs> samantha, of something samantha knows that earlier today i was like crap i gotta think of a recommendation uh but i did and um so my recommendation is that if you are still on the old facebook's there's really only one reason to be on facebook anymore and that's to be in our facebook group we have a couple but if you're already doing that then I recommend looking for a local buy-nothing group mm. for your area. Friend of the pod, Cara, reco- recently recommended this to me because I have some junk I want to get rid of. Just, you know, decluttering around the house. And while I shop at the Goodwill, I don't feel so inclined to also give them their inventory. Like... Me shopping there is plenty. I don't need to actually provide the things that they sell. I'm not very enamored with their business practices. So I had this junk. want to get rid of it. Cara told me that I should look for a buy nothing group for my neighborhood. And so I joined a few days ago and it's great. I literally post a picture and a little description of something I want to get rid of. And then someone just comes and gets it. It's like a miracle. Have you found got, found any good finds yourself? I've gotten some plants for my yard. So someone, um, their side yard has been completely taken over by ferns. And they were like, please come, everyone. They don't want their yard to look like Jurassic Park. I don't know why not, but apparently not. So they were like, please come dig up some ferns. So I went and got some ferns. Um, you can also, and at least there's diff- probably different rules for each group. In my group, you are allowed to ask for things if you, you know, needed to borrow a wheelbarrow or I don't know, whatever. You're That's like, handy. Does anybody have a mixer they're not using? I don't know. You could do something like that. So I, um, you know, it's that time of year doing some stuff for the yard. I just asked if anybody had any hostas, um, before I would go buy them. And all these people were like, never buy hostas. Just come get some out of my yard. Which is also it's amazing. kind of true. You really don't ever need to buy hostas. But don't. you also need to know who to ask. So this is helpful. <laughs> don't. It's like, no, you don't buy hostas. Literally, stranger, just come to my house and dig some up. 
okay. Uh, I think it's very handy and and fun and kind of friendly. And I like this idea that maybe we'll just like sort everything back and forth. No one will need to buy anything because <laughs> you'll just keep, keep going. Does anyone have an extra ice cream scoop? And then someone will be like, yeah, sure. There you go. <laughs> and that's the way all of uh, goods can be sorted. I don't know. It's a nice little neighborly thing to do. I do feel like it might look work better for homes than apartments. But... You know, be creative. I'm sure you can make it work in an apartment, yeah. too. And then you don't have to be on Nextdoor, which yes. is just a cesspool of the internet. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't compare it because I've never actually been on Nextdoor, but for tail, no thank you. <laughs> At least this group for my neighborhood, very friendly. Um, and it's also not necessarily first come, first serve. If there's stuff people, a lot of people are interested in, people will do like a little, basically like a giveaway. Mm. But like let people say that they're interested and then draw a name okay i don't that's know a fair way to do it yeah i guess um so that's my recommendation if you Solid. need something or you're just like oh my god i've been in my house for the past year and i cannot stand looking at my i don't know framed space jam poster anymore you could put that someone will come and probably get that like later that day oh, you, you don't even mail that to us i don't want it you mail it to samantha <laughs> I guess I don't have that fond of memories of Space Jam, to be honest. I'm but. not the I'm not the right age to, to be a Space Jam person. <laughs> um, yeah, send all your posters of Lola Bunny to Samantha, care of the address on our website. That's perhaps it's you.com. Let's look go under to your house. Let's look under <laughs> You're gonna contact. get that. <laughs> <laughs> send all your michael jordan life-size cutouts to that address please um yeah and if anybody else has like a story of a cool thing that you got you should tell us about it in the facebook group samantha did you come up with a recommendation this week i have kind of a lame recommendation but it is a new thing i've tried recently that i enjoy and it's a sunscreen <laughs> Oh, I've recommended a sunscreen before. Go ahead. So this isn't a, a sunscreen that's going to be like a wear under your makeup type of sunscreen. This is for gardening or going to the beach. It's a serious sunscreen. And I found it because I was looking for a sunscreen to wear while I'm doing yard work and working in the garden. So I Googled something like best outdoor sunscreen or something because sunscreens just suck. I don't know. There's no, nothing good about wearing sunscreens except that it protects you from the sun. It always runs in your eyes. You always have to reapply it. Always feels greasy. But this one actually has some things about it that I think make it a, a cut above the rest. So I okay. found this article that was um, a bunch of lifeguards suggesting their favorite sunscreens. Immediately, this is what I want. I want a lifeguard's <laughs> recommendation for a sunscreen. Okay. Okay. They know what's up. And I ended up buying Ocean Potion. I found it on Amazon. I got the SPF 50. It calls itself the scent of sunshine. So it is scented. So if you're sensitive to fragrances, that's something to be aware of. I really like the scent. I think it smells really good. Does it have that kind of tropical sunblock tropical. smell? Yeah. yeah a bit I floral, like that. Like, like tropical flower kind of smell, I think. It's, I it like doesn't, that. I can't really pinpoint exactly what the smell is, but it smells good. This is, uh, it, it calls itself reef-friendly, paraben-free, uh, 
uh, I think it's gluten-free, uh, antioxidant-enriched. I don't know. All I know is that I put it on my face. I really liked it. It didn't feel greasy. It didn't give me like a white cast. Not that I really care about that when I'm working outside. You do. I did have to reapply it. We're, this, we're at this last weekend. I was helping my mom all day in her yard, and it worked really well. I really liked it. I put it on. I reapplied it once, but I liked it. It didn't make me break out. It didn't give me some sunscreens like I, I always want to use like the Neutrogena ones and I have really bad luck with that. With those I think Neutrogena sunscreen is terrible. Yeah, I don't like it. And I and then I've tried other like sports sunscreens, waterproof sunscreens, and I have a really hard time with all of them. They either get all greasy and runny or they run in my eyes and sting my eyes. This one I put on my face, worked really well. Put it on my arms, my neck, worked really good. If you're looking for a sunscreen for like actually being outside, I, again, you're not going to want to put your makeup over this, but if you are going to be out and you, you need to protect yourself from the sun as you should, I like this one, Ocean Potion. Well, I know you need sunscreen because you are as pale as a ghost. <laughs> People might mistake me. When we're at Resurrection Cemetery, <laughs> don't they be surprised if <laughs> stops and starts <laughs> taking pictures because I am, yeah, I'm, I have porcelain white skin. I don't handle the sun very well. I get sun sickness if I'm in it too long, probably because I just have no protection, no natural protection from the sun whatsoever. So sunscreen is something I need to apply liberally. So something I always wonder about white supremacists is <laughs> that's what why you're... they think that we are like the advanced, like the, yes! the supreme race. We can't even be in the sun for we five minutes. We cannot even stand outside. How can you think your, your skin is superior? It's literally inferior. My we, skin is extremely inferior in a number of ways. We can't even stand in the sun, neo-Nazis. You're clearly wrong. It's so it's true. The, it's, it's perhaps not the biggest flaw in their logic, but it's something that always comes to mind for me. Like, surely you're overcompensating because you realize that we are a genetic mutation that actually makes your life worse. It's true. It's true. And now we have to buy sunscreen for the rest of our lives. That makes sense. Anyway, they're, they're never quite good, but you have to wear it. Yeah, of course. I'm a big fan of. I maybe I've said this on the podcast of SPF clothing, or I think it's when it's clothing, it's UPF maybe. Like oh, basically, like long sleeve swimsuits, like what you put on babies, but for adults. <laughs> I only discovered this late as an adult, and I kind of don't re- don't know why I I didn't always wear just long sleeve shirts. <laughs> on the beach that was such a thing before i I don't think i don't think it was and i'm not sure that it still is a thing but i highly recommend highly recommend just dress me like a a giant toddler (laughs) if i have to go to the beach big sun hat long sleeve shirt long pants i will thank conservative people for only one thing and that is um, more modest swimwear which Mm. i do appreciate I wear, well, I can't do water aerobics right now because, I don't know, there's a pandemic or something. But usually when I would go to water aerobics, I would wear swim leggings. And it was just, like, so much more comfortable. So much more, like, I don't know. Nobody needs to be, like, looking at my my ass while I'm doing water aerobics. (laughs) I'm also hanging out with a bunch of old people. I don't know. It's weird. You're not going to show up to water aerobics in a bikini? Like, hey, everybody. (laughs) No. Ready to party. And everybody else is like 70 years old. <laughs> no. So 
yeah, I I'm for the the more coverage when you're when you're swimming or just I guess outside at all because and again, then you don't have to put on sunscreen on your arms. <laughs> you can limit the sunscreen to just a few areas, and you're not just covered in grease. Because also. I'm also as pale as a ghost and my skin might just catch on fire like that guy in Indiana Jones. That could be me. I did also see someone tweet that we don't hear much about spontaneous human combustion anymore. That's a good point. That's true. What happened to that? What happened to spontaneous human combustion? Is it because fewer people are smoking? Isn't that why you you combust? You fall asleep with a cigarette? That probably actually has a lot to do with it. Mystery solved. I feel like I've watched a documentary or two on human And it just turns out is people who fell asleep It was on Mythbusters, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. How many times on this podcast do I say, wasn't that on Mythbusters? I feel like I say that every episode, but I'm pretty sure spontaneous human combustion was, and they just determined it was people falling asleep with a cigarette. Oh. Huh. Because your body is actually full of fat you're basically a human a giant candle furniture is meant to be flame resistant like you're not you don't necessarily right. make furniture that is combustible because you don't want people's houses to burn down so if you fall asleep with a little cigarette i think you could like yeah basically just wow, go up that like makes- a torch that episode of the X Files so much more boring. To oh, actually, those people just fell asleep, sleep, smoking. That was exciting though. Something about the spontaneous end. human combustion is is really. I mean, exciting. even just yeah, the idea that you could just be walking along and burst into fire any moment. Wow, wow. Well, as usual, this podcast has been a journey. <laughs> it's taken us a lot of places. Some you might have seen coming. Some maybe a little unexpected. Hopefully we've enriched your lives and maybe taught you something about spontaneous human combustion. I don't actually know if anything I just said was true. Oh, it's facts. Write it down. I just put a caveat there. I'm not a spontaneous (laughs) human combustion expert. I just make shit up based on things I think I might have saw in Mythbusters once. I don't think we've claimed to be an expert on anything. Not even unsolved mysteries. It's true. We specifically state we're not an expert on this thing we do a podcast about. So I think we're covered, right? Yeah, we're good. Right? Okay. We're good. That draws us to a close. All right, we better plug our shit. As I'm just go once again going to tell you to join our Facebook groups. I think I've mentioned that about five times. But we have a main one. We have one for Animal Crossing. We have one for books. Check it um, out. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. You could follow my personal Instagram. Everybody at everybody likes Liz, so you can see my art and stuff. Which you absolutely should. If you have some extra dollars, you can send them to us through Patreon and you'll get instant access to 40 additional bonus episodes. What? And another one each month. And that's only that's the lowest tier. A dollar gets you that. Some it's a measly good, dollar. If you have five dollars burning a hole in your pocket, you could get almost that many coloring sheets. Like a lot of coloring sheets. Way more than you'll ever color. If you've colored our coloring sheets, you should tag us. Oh, I want to see them. Media. I want to yes, see please. you color those Japanese Kit Kats. Yes, those are so cute. So cute. Well, um, yeah, and our website is perhaps it's you.com. There's our contact info. There's blah, blah, blah. You can send us your paranormal stories at perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. If you saw a ghost on a bus, you better write to us and tell us I, about it. I want to know. I really do. Or if you saw a ghost using a razor flip phone. (laughs) 
Or what is something else? Make sure you slam that subscribe button. Oh, do us a solid. Slam it so hard. And remember, we only accept five-star reviews. And please end them. Holy F. Wow, these things are getting, that we say at the end, are getting longer and longer. Wow. Does anyone stick around for this part? I have no idea. I'm trying to think of other things that seem like too modern for a ghost to be doing, but they're like. They're on TikTok. <laughs> There's this whole part of TikTok we can't see, ghost TikTok. Ghost talk? Yeah. They're like scrolling through. You're like, I didn't watch any of these shows on Netflix, and it was because actually a ghost sits on your couch while you're at work. You think a modern ghost makes memes? Probably. It's like, you know when you're trying to float through a wall and this happens, and then all the ghosts are like, oh, that's me. So true. I hate that. <laughs> Just a ghost sitting at a computer using paint. Like, oh, yeah, this meme. Really, it's really going to hit the spot with so many ghosts. You know what? That's the end. That's really that's the end. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Keep barking. <laughs>